I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome in, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh. You can find me over on Twitter, at Jaffanaugh87. Joining me today, we have, the, we have Dr. John Chanty. John, how are things going with you today? Hey, Jack. Things are going great. Got some great weather, and we're getting close to football season every other, you know, every day. So I'm just getting more and more excited on my end. How about you? Oh, I'm feeling the same way. Exact same way. Football season is on the horizon. The weather is beautiful. Things certainly look beautiful up here in Canada, and hopefully the future continues to look bright. On that note of the future hope that we have brings us to our topic today. We're going to be talking about some Dynasty Startup 101. And of course, uh, we've missed the boat on rookie drafts. That's fine. It's way past that time of year. But right now is the perfect time to get started on Dynasty League when the uh, Startup New Leagues. That's why we have Dr. Dynasty on here today to talk Dynasty Startup 101. What better way to start the show than with quarterbacks, although we really kind of just want to get them out of the way early because it's the least exciting thing to talk about. For quarterbacks, all our questions are going to be super flex because otherwise there's no point in talking. There you go. Super flex team quarterback. So, John, if you have the 101 or 102 in a super flex dynasty startup, what are you doing with the picks? Well, I mean, if I'm lucky enough to have one of those two picks, if I'm 101, I'm going Mahomes and I'm feeling great about myself. But, you know, if I'm 102, I'm going to get Lamar and still feel pretty good about myself. I really think it, we're talking about 1A and 1B in this category. But I give a slighter edge to Mahomes. I think just the consistency in, of his passing game and that offense. Um, I, I don't really worry so much about Mahomes long term versus Jackson. I do worry a little bit maybe about his his running ability or his health catching up to him at some point. Um, even though it's really close, I would I would slightly lean towards Mahomes there. And so it, it's tough because I, I do think you're wrong about worrying about the rushing upside because, you know, he is still a 23-year-old quarterback. Remember, he is younger than Joe Burrow. So I'm, I think you might be overvaluing Lamar's uh, rushing in injury upside or downside, I suppose. But at the same point, you are right because at some point his body will catch up to him. We've seen that with Cam Newton. And although Lamar Jackson is much better at not taking those big hits and preserving his body still is something to worry about, but that's not the reason I'm taking Mahomes. I'm taking Mahomes because it's just Mahomes, <laughs> right, right? Right, right, Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great point. And I really don't think there's a huge difference between the two, but I, I do agree with you. I am taking Mahomes. He is the more traditional quarterback, but he still does have that rushing upside. I think that's what you have to do at the 101 and 102. I don't think there's any other option other than trading back. You can always try and trade back for a, a bounty of picks. But that's league dependent. We can't really rely on that. So Mahomes, Lamar, and then you can start thinking about Christian McCaffrey, Daquan, and Michael Thomas. Uh, so in a Superflex Dynasty, where do you need to get your first quarterback? Well, obviously, I think I'm looking round one. Um, I kind of group, there's sort of a big six that I see that I want to go after. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, we just mentioned. You know, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and then probably Russell Wilson kind of fill out that big six for me. And if I can get one of those six, maybe in the first six picks of the draft, I'm definitely going to go there. However, um, if I'm, say, pick seven and all six of those guys are no longer available, 
I think I may want to look at maybe the best available running back. Uh, you know, maybe uh, we're talking about Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley at that point, rather than taking maybe, uh, you know, Josh Allen. If you look at fantasy pros, he's the number seven rated dynasty quarterback. You know, I like Josh Allen, but I, I'd probably rather have Christian McCaffrey in this case instead. So I might wait a little bit later, maybe round two to get my quarterback instead of that first round. If I can't get one of those, uh, those some of the, the elite six, I would consider. I really like that elite six. I really do. The big six, the elite six, whatever right. we want to call it. Those group of quarterbacks, I really don't think there's any disputing. Those are the top guys. Maybe, maybe we're a little bit early on Kyler Murray, but I really don't think we are. I think it's just he's at it's just at that point we can just accept it. Yeah, this is the only time I'm going to tell you that you have to take a certain position at a certain time is in these super flex leagues, other than t- telling you you have to take defense and kicker in the right. last two rounds. But other than that, I think you need to take quarterback at least in the first three rounds with your first pick in a super flex league. And then you probably want to get two within your first four to five, six picks because it just dries up so quickly and you need to quarterback is currency in super flex team. Correct. Exactly. I mean, you know, in this case, there's really not a limit on how many or too many. There's no such thing as too many quarterbacks in a super flex league, because even if you can't necessarily play, obviously, more than two, you can use them as trade capital. Um, You know, if you really want to be a jerk and you can hoard some quarterbacks and make it really difficult for other you know teams in your league to make roster decisions. So there's just it's an extra level of, of roster flexibility that you really need to maximize in that sort of league format. And that's what makes Superflex so fun. But really, I really do think that you need to go and get two quarterbacks early. And then you can take that upside shot w- much later in the draft. With that, when we're talking about upside, who is the most underrated quarterback in Dynasty right now? Well, just kind of looking at some of the rankings, um, I, I, I couldn't help but notice Daniel Jones really stood out to me. He was the 14th rated quarterback on Fantasy Pros for their dynasty rankings. Um, and that seems to me, that seems a little low uh, given some, you know, given the, uh, you know, some of his play in his rookie season last year, he only played 12 games last season, but in four of those games, he went off uh, for 28 points or more fantasy points or more. So, I mean, that's, that's awesome. The downside though, of course, is he had some games. He had, uh, he had absolutely, no games kind of in that middle of the range. He either had some very uh, poor, you know, below average games, or he had those huge monster games as what's are called sort of boom bust games. So I, I think I'm really excited about Daniel Jones because I think we'll see more consistency from him. If there is more stability in the giants offense. Um, I think if we see more stability in the giants offense in terms of uh, players being healthy uh, if we see Slayton on the field, we see Barkley, Shepard, Ingram all in the field at the same time, you know, this could be a, a, a very underrated offense and Daniel Jones could be a monster fantasy performer, even if that means the Giants aren't necessarily a good team. But I think he is a quarterback that's outside of the top 10, who I would not be surprised at all if he made his way into the top 10. Well, that was a great answer. Uh, the real answer is Teddy Bridgewater, because he doesn't even rank in the top 26 of fantasy football calculator startup ADP. Behind Rivers and Roethlisberger, they're one-year rentals. So that's a real answer with Teddy Bridgewater because maybe he's a one-year rental, but should be going before Roethlisberger and Rivers because he's so young. But yeah, I really do love your answer for Daniel Jones because what's the difference between him and Josh Allen? Can you tell me? Is there one? The uniforms, I, I mean, 
I yeah, I, I don't even yeah, you're right. Exactly. Allen was the quarterback six in sixteen games played. Daniel Jones was a quarterback twenty-three in thirteen games. So that sounds like it's a big drop. But Josh Allen averaged eighteen point six points per game. That was eleventh. Daniel Jones averaged seventeen point four six, and that was fifteenth. So there really wasn't that big of a difference in their points per game output. And yet somehow Josh Allen is going up at QB five, six, seven, and uh, Daniel Jones is going at QB 14. Like, how does that make any sense? It could be the Stefan Diggs effect. I don't know. Maybe people are overvaluing the Buffalo offense with the addition of Diggs. I, I don't know, but I think you're right. I, I don't, there's not enough difference, even with the addition of Diggs. I don't think there's enough difference to justify that big of a gap in terms of their value, draft value. I completely agree. And so that brings us to our next question, but I'm going to answer it for you first. Because their next question is, who is the most overrated quarterback in Dynasty right now? And I'm here to tell you, it is Josh Allen. Shouldn't be going ahead of Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz. Shouldn't be going ahead of any of those guys. And remember, Blake Bortles was a QB4, QB9, and QB13 when he played for Jacksonville. And he was never good. I don't know that Josh Allen's good. I think this is just Bill's Mafia being too hyped. That's a real answer. But now I'm going to let you answer the question because it's not really fair to answer for you. I like I like the Josh Allen pick, and I really looked hard at him. But honestly, I really couldn't stop thinking about Carson Wentz when I was looking at, um, you know, the list of quarterbacks, uh, dynasty rankings. Carson Wentz currently ranked eight on Fantasy Pros for dynasty quarterbacks. And while I think he has all the upside in the world, um, I am somewhat concerned about his injury history. Um, I am concerned about his future prospects in terms of the fact that the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. Um, that means they plan to pro- possibly take Carson Wentz off the field at times, and you know that could maybe cut into some of his production. I also am a little bit concerned about the Eagles' offense in general. I, I think that while I, I, you know, I love the addition of Jalen Rager, I love Miles Sanders. Um, you know, I just think that the injury history with some of their players and weapons, um, especially last year, you know. If you're relying on players like Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey to start the season, you know, how much can you rely on them to finish the season? Um, and if that's the case again this year, if there's injuries around, then, you know, I think that could put a ceiling on Carson Wentz's potential uh, dynasty value. Maybe there is a ceiling on Carson Wentz's potential value, but I really don't think he's overrated going at QB8 because I do think he is a locked in QB, uh, top 10 QB. So maybe we're splitting hairs between top eight or uh, number eight and number 10. But remember, he's good at, he's tied to the Eagles until at least 2023, but his contract's up after 2025. Or sorry, heading into the 2025 offseason. So the only thing that could totally derail him is if he's injured or benched. And even then, he's gonna get another chance because he is former first round quarterback. And that's just what the NFL does. And now that they've loaded up with Rager, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, and they have all these returning guys, I think it's safe to keep him inside the top ten. I can't see him falling out of it. Sam Bradford, he kept getting chance after chance. Carson Wentz is much better than that. I really do think he is a safe asset at this point. But I do think there might be a little bit too much hype around him because we need to see more out of him. Oh, I, I, I think Carson Wentz, I, you know, I'm not going to be surprised at all. If he, if he plays all 16 games, you know, and if he's in, you know, with that, the, that, the, the weapons he has, if they stay healthy, I definitely can see, um, you know, him being a top – top eight or more better quarterback potentially I just I also can imagine there's some scenarios where he does fall out of the top 10 but a lot of that has to do with injuries and that's not all that predictable so um I don't I wouldn't want to you know focus on that too much okay so as long as we don't hate Carson once that's the only thing we wanted to establish he might be a little bit overrated but we don't completely hate him not at all 
Okay, good. Thanks. Thankfully, though, we're all done with the quarterbacks now. We can move on to the running backs where we're actually going to have fun. That's the best position in fantasy football. And does that mean that zero running back is dead? Because everyone keeps telling us that. Are we done with the zero running back drafts? No, I mean, I think there, I think enough people are still, still believe in that sort of philosophy that it's, it's still around. I mean, you know, one of the, uh, just kind of listening to other podcasts and reading articles and things out there, I've already come across multiple, uh, you know, uh, pieces of content on zero running back. So clearly it's, it's driving the bus somewhere, but for me personally, I've, I've been playing fantasy, you know, for more than a decade now. And the idea of having zero running backs gives me a lot of anxiety, especially in a dynasty league. Um, I really just value that RB1 position so much, uh, mostly because I feel like it's the one position that you you really do need to get right. And there's just such a small margin of error, especially in your dynasty league. If you're trying to find that cornerstone player to build around, I think it has to be your RB1. And if you're just if you're flat out, you know, not getting an R, a running back and, you know, until the maybe third or fourth round or later, I just you're really behind the eight ball, so to speak. I, I think it's really hard to build your team in a dynasty team. Maybe you can get away with that and redraft if you're really good at playing the waiver wire. But I think in dynasty, it's a little more consequential when you you kind of need those core players to build around. I think you completely knocked it out of the park there, John. I'm not going to disagree with you at all. Running backs matter in fantasy, and they have a short shelf life. That's why I'm all in on going robust running back around a young core. Because otherwise, there's so much receiver depth in the NFL right now, and there's so it's so top-heavy at the running back position that, yeah, like in a dynasty league, that's how you have to create, create your team. Not all running backs are created equal. So, John, how much value is there in running backs in dynasty leagues that don't catch passes? Well, I, I would say it's a very limited value. I think now we see more and more leagues are adopting PPR formats or, or half uh, PPR formats, depending on how comfortable you are with that um, scoring system. So in that case, I think, you know, if you're one of those leagues who's using points per reception or any kind of format, um, those backs have a very limited amount of value. Uh, because it, it'll take them off the field uh, at critical passing plays. It puts an artificial ceiling on certain on certain players. Um, really, when I'm building my dynasty team, I, I want I want that Edrigen James kind of all down back uh, where they they're on the field. They can block. They can catch. They can stay on the field for every down if necessary. But I think if you want to talk about the value of players who don't catch passes, you really need to look at the opposite. Look at the value of those running backs who can catch passes and how much it adds to their career, their fantasy value. I think like this is if if you're naming like an award after running backs who can catch passes, it's the James White Award. And and that because it's it that his ability to catch passes has made him such a relevant fantasy player for a guy who hardly gets any touches uh, between the tackles. But if he can catch five, six, seven, eight passes a game you have some really good value. Maybe not necessarily as an RB1, but maybe you're a good RB2, a consistent RB2 or flex candidate week in and week out. And th so there's two types of running backs who don't catch passes. There's Derrick Henry and there's Sony Michelle. And there's a lot of value in Derrick Henry and there is little to no value in Sony Michelle. So like, let's take a look at a running back like Leonard Fournette. He wasn't a big pass catcher at LSU and then he caught 43 and 22 passes in the first two seasons. Not great. Then he caught 76 passes this year. And there's a big difference between a running back who doesn't catch passes and running backs who can't catch passes. Like, there's no reason Derrick Henry can't have 40, 50 uh, receptions this 
It's not likely, but it's possible. He's talented enough to do that. The same goes for types like Nick Chubb. Opposite end of their spectrum, there's no hope for guys like Sony Michelle, Carlos Hyde, Jordan Howard. They're never going to be pass catchers. You really have to distinguish that because guys who can't catch passes and never will are much less valuable, especially in Dynasty League. And so yeah. now that anything anything to add to that, John? No, I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, yeah, if you you know, in the case of like Derrick Henry, he doesn't really need to catch passes, but I'm sure obviously if the offense needed to, you could. And of course that would only add to his value even further. Um and I just think back to guys like uh, you know, Adrian Peterson, maybe in his prime. I mean, if, you know, we just add a few more receptions to that. I mean, you're, you're talking about just hall of fame, Ladanian Tomlinson, like, you know, fantasy numbers. So, um, I think it's just an extra wrinkle to certain players. I think it's what makes, uh, a, a good running back, a great fantasy running back. And it's the difference between maybe a good running back being a bad fantasy running back if they don't or can't catch passes all right so speaking of good and bad fantasy running backs who is the most underrated running back in dynasty right now well right now i think based on the rankings i think it's aaron jones from the green bay packers um he's currently ranked number 16 in dynasty uh, uh running backs per fantasy pros um and i think that's very disrespectful even though i aaron jones just absolutely murdered me in a championship game last season. So I really shouldn't speak highly of him, but he's only 25 years old. He's coming off a phenomenal season in 2019. Obviously, I mean, he had 16 rushing touchdowns. I don't really expect that to continue. And I do expect that um, AJ Dillon will, the rookie uh, out of Boston college will eat into some of his carries. But I think the way that offense is set up, I think how good Aaron Jones is both as a pass catcher and as a runner I think even if his touchdowns regress some, and even if A.J. Dillon does cut into his touches, I still think he has top 10 potential. So if you're doing a draft and you can get him as the 16th best running back, I think that's a steal. No, this has been a really fun podcast so far, and it's just disappointing because after that, I don't think Steve's going to allow me to have you back on the show. You made a really, (laughs) really compelling case for Aaron Jones. Yeah, at running back 16, Aaron Jones is definitely a little bit low right there. He's about to fit, hit free agency, and you know we have important nonsense. We keep pounding the table that Aaron Jones is going to have a worse 2020 season. You hit that perfectly. It'll be a three-way timeshare with AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams. But he's almost guaranteed to be leaving Green Bay next year. He's going to get away from Matt Lafleur, and that's huge. There's not many coaches that are going to put him in a timeshare worse than Matt Lafleur did. I'm going at RB16 is probably a steal at this point. Imagine 2021, 2022, 2023 with Aaron Jones and Trevor Lawrence. Is that a running back you want, John? Aaron, you're saying Aaron Jones and Trevor Lawrence together? Yeah, down in Jacksonville. Sorry, I forgot to include that. Oh, I'm all in on that. Yeah. Give me that. Perfect. Yes. Perfect scenario. So we have the most underrated running back, probably Aaron Jones. I'm personally going to go with Darius Geis. He's currently going RB27, and I know it's Darius Geis. Everyone hates him, but he's still 23 years old. Two years removed from him being the most talented running back after Saquon Barkley. And he's just been unlucky. And I'm really not worried about the meniscus tear. Two years removed from ACL to injury now. So if he can be healthy this year, and I think that he's just been unlucky so far, he could be an RB1. And going at RB27 is just way too low for a 23-year-old running back. Am I crazy, John? No, I, I don't think you're crazy. I, I think there's you know a lot of scenarios in which Darius guys... Um, you know, is, is, is not only a good NFL running back, but a very good fantasy running back. I think he's just gotten off to a bad start and maybe, and dynasty, you can use that to your advantage. And if you, like you said, if you're getting a, 
potential RB one at like you said, 27. I mean, that is an absolute steal. Um, so I, I couldn't agree more with you on, on that call. Oh, thank you. I really thought I was starting to go crazy there. Uh, so thank you for reassuring me. That feels great. Now, who is the most overrated running back in dynasty right now? Well, I know this is, this might start an argument. Um, but I think it's, it's, and, and this might ruffle some feathers in Philadelphia again, but I think it's, it's Miles Sanders who. Oh, no. I, I oh, no. Miles Don't do this Sanders. to me, John. Oh. <laughs> I knew I was going to get that reaction. No, I think Miles Sanders is a great player. He's a great fantasy player. He has so much upside in the Philadelphia offense. But have we forgotten about Boston Scott? Uh, Boston Scott, to close out the season, I'm not saying he's better than Miles Sanders, but, you know, at, at a time when they when the Philadelphia Eagles offense was just running on uh, duct tape and, and Band-Aids, Boston Scott was getting lots of love. Uh, in fact, from week 14 on, he was getting as many touches as Miles Sanders, and he was a top 10 running back. He was the number seven running back in terms of points per game. Um, so I'm not saying that Boston Scott's going to be a top 10 running back, but I just worry that with him still in that offense, is he going to eat into Miles Sanders' touches enough that could prevent him from being a top 10 running back? Um, Miles Sanders is currently number 10 now per, on Fantasy Pros. But, you know, if, if, if we see if that's sort of that small sample size, any sort of reflection of what we see this year, I could see them both kind of eating into each other's workload enough that, you know, maybe it keeps either one of them from being a top 10 back. Um, not to say they're not good plays in fantasy, but if you're expecting top 10 or more from Miles Sanders, you might be a little disappointed in that regard. Uh, you wound me, John. You really, really do. <laughs> You know what? I so I was starting to be a little bit out on the Miles Sanders because a lot of people were getting him with top three dynasty hype, and I am not ready to go there by any means. I do think he is a locked in top ten running back in dynasty because he's already a, a proven to be an elite pass catcher in the NFL. What he did in the passing game last year really impressed me, so I think he's locked to stay inside the top ten. But I do understand your worry, and especially because Philadelphia keep it sounds like it's a matter of and not if they'll bring in a veteran running back. So that really could our Miles Sanders value. I've already baked that into what I'm expecting from him this year. I'm going to be a lot less disappointed than other people, but yeah, you are right. A lot of people could be hurt by Miles Sanders. He's a good guy. He's a, ah, he's a good running back to root for, and it's going to hurt when they sign Devonte Freeman real soon. <laughs> yeah, no, I got, I've got lots of love for Philadelphia for Miles Sanders and that offense. I just, I worry if the hype is a little too high. Like you said, if there's if you're going top three with Miles Sanders, I think that's a pretty big overreach. If you get him at ten, I don't think that is uh, the end of the world by any means. I just I think even then, you, you, there's a scenario which you could be disappointed even then. Probably not likely, but it's possible. I get it. You're just not ready to crown him yet. A little bit too right. early, and I there understand that. So the most uh, underrated, overrated player in Dynasty. For me right now, it's going to be Melvin Gordon because over on Fantasy Football Calculator, he's the RB13 in Dynasty Startups. How? I don't understand how. He is 27 years old. He's a year and a half older than Todd Gurley, and we're all done with Todd Gurley. Everyone's given up on him. We're supposed to love a guy that's a year and a half older who's been just as injured throughout his career. Like, where's the logic, John? Yeah, I don't, I don't see that either. I mean, I do, I do like him being in Denver, but that's not enough to justify that kind of capital potentially in a, in a dynasty startup. So 
Yeah. Um, I'm not really buying that either. I, I would have a hard time. Um, you know, I think later back into the twenties makes some sense, but at 13, I feel like you're still missing out on some, some better value potentially. Um, you know, I'd probably even rather have Todd Gurley, to be honest. I mean, I, that's kind of scares me to say, but um, oh, I, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're completely right there because he's a year and a half younger than Melvin Gordon. First of all, over the past three years, Todd Gurley, 15, 14, 15 games. Melvin Gordon over the last three years, 12, 12, 16. So Melvin Gordon's missed more time. Granted, he was holding out for part of it. But still, he's missed more time than Todd Gurley, and he's older. And Todd Gurley is going outside of the top 30 in startups. Top 13, yeah. top 30. My, I don't understand what's going on, John. I really don't. <laughs> it, it's, uh, yeah, that, that's crazy. I don't, I don't buy that either. I'm, anyways, anyways, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry about that rant. I'm just really frustrated by this Melvin Gordon love. I don't understand <laughs> it. We're going to move on from the running backs now. Try and get me to calm back down a little bit. We're going to move to wide receiver. And so how do you build your wide receiver core? And do you pri- prioritize youth or production? Well, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm sort of um, riding the fence a little bit, but I I look for ideally both. I mean, I, you know, if I'm looking for players in a dynasty startup, um, I really, especially at the wide receiver position, I, I do want to kind of go as young as possible, um, even if maybe not necessarily rookies first, but I want to go with younger players because I think it's just so easy to come into the league and catch passes and be a productive receiver more than it ever has been with the way the rules are set up. So I want to go for, I want to get as many guys under 30 as I can. I want to get, um, you know, probably looking for to, in terms of maximizing their prime and a dynasty startup. I want, you know, those players that are probably between their second, third, maybe fourth year, even if that's a little higher, but um, to kind of get them right when they're hitting their prime and maybe and have them until they, you know, finish that prime out. Um, you know, I think as far as the cost goes, I'm probably going to avoid players maybe, you know, uh, like Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins and Adams. But I want to look for maybe some cheaper options that I think that are that are still young, that are productive. Cooper Cup, uh, DJ Moore comes to mind. D- DK Metcalf comes to mind. Um, but I also don't, you know, I, I think, again, it's so easy to come in and, and be a good pass catcher. I do think you need to invest in some of those rookies as well. I think with this incoming rookie class, um, there is just a gold mine of, of potential wide receivers out there. So I just say go young um, as, a, as a philosophy for wide receivers. I, I am all in on that because personally, I am all about the age adjusted production, both coming into the NFL from college. I want to see that early breakout age in college. And I want to see you dominate early in your NFL career. That's why. So we just had the important nonsense dynasty draft. My two receivers that I built around it's DJ Moore and Juju Smith Schuster. They're both under 24 years old and they're both, they've both been proven talent in the league. It's just, that gets me really excited to seeing people produce young because it, then it just, there's so much more left on the bone for guys like that. So I'm really excited about that age adjusted production and, is there a point where you start to say, nah, I'm not interested in these guys anymore? Is there an age cutoff for you? Well, I, I want to say, I want to say yes, but then I, you know, I think I love being able to find maybe in the later rounds, some of those, maybe, especially if we're talking about a contract league, for example, you know, in a dynasty startup, if you can find maybe uh, some of those 
guys who are maybe in the last year of their prime or maybe, uh, you know, they've got one more year left in the tank. I, I'm thinking of just a vintage sort of Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald year, or even what Julian Edelman has been able to do over the last few years post 30. If you're able to kind of, it, you know, it does take a discerning eye to be able to tell which, you know, who are those guys that are going to actually stick around post 30 and still be productive and who isn't. And that can be a crapshoot too. Um, but I, I don't want to completely rule out saying I'm not going to take a guy just because of his age, but I'm, I'm obviously going to wait longer if I can. Um, but I just think there, there's some, there's some scenarios or guys that, you know, if you, if you're, if you look hard enough, you can find some really good value late, uh, late in people in certain players careers. Very well said being with youth and then settle for, there's, there's always value to be found with the older players as well. So what style of wide receiver do you prefer? Is a uh, Julio Jones, Big play X receiver they have a little bit less reception totals, but they always have the big big plays and the deep or yards per reception. Like a Michael Thomas type PPR monster, or is that kind of the healthy mix in DeAndre Hopkins? Which one of those guys are you building your dynasty team? Give me the PPR monster all the way. Give me Michael Thomas. I I just want to put points on the board. That's all I'm concerned about. Um, you know, in, in, a, in a PPR league, I want points and I want a lot of them. So I'm going to build around those kind of players who are going to have uh, not only a lot of, of catches, but also targets. I want to see the offense flow around those players. I want to go for players who you can tell are very much in the offense. So even if that doesn't necessarily show up in, in terms of always catches, but are they are they running routes? Are they uh, being targeted often? So um I think the more often they're on the field, the more often they're targeted, the more likely you are to get points. So I think those are the kind of players I'm, I'm looking for. Uh, I think because you're just less likely to see some of those boom and bust periods. I know, I know Julio puts up some amazing numbers, but if you just look at his, you know, like touchdowns, for example, there are some years where, you know, he's putting up single digit touchdowns and that's, you know, it's kind of disappointing. I think it kind of puts a limit on some of his, his point totals, but and you see a player like Michael Thomas, who's just consistently breaking these catching, you know, the records for receptions. And uh, my mouth is just watering at the point total possibilities in it with a player like that, I guess. Yeah, very well spoken, very well said. And there are different types of those players. Obviously, you don't, you're leaning away from the Jameson Crowder types. He's nowhere near Michael Thomas. But when you have those monster slot options, it's, sometimes it's just... They're too valuable. Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, those guys are just going to catch 140 passes potentially. It's just too much to pass up. Yeah, and it's a, it's an opportunity game. I mean, it, it's a numbers game. The more the more passes you catch, I feel like it just more opportunities of taking one to the house or or a break off play. I mean, you know, that maybe doesn't always work out that way, but uh, those catches they they really do matter. John, who do you think is the most underrated wide receiver in Dynasty? Well, you already brought him up, and you 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 were lucky enough to get him on your dynasty squad. Uh, it's Juju Smith Schuster. I think, right. you know, I think people are really going to sleep on him, uh, especially after last season. His productivity was was nowhere near his productivity from 2018. Um, but a lot of that had to do with injuries and the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers, for all intents and purposes, didn't have a quarterback last year uh, or one that could really, um, you know, help out Juju Smith. Schuster uh, in terms of you know the passing game so I see a really big bounce back year from him I think with Big Ben back in the offense I think the Pittsburgh offense is reloaded they added Eric Ebron Claypool in the draft you've got James Washington and Deontay Johnson another year in that offense um, right now Juju Smith-Schuster is, is currently number seven uh, 
in dynasty for uh, rankings for fantasy pros. But, you know, I think he has potential to even go higher than that. If we see any kind of semblance of the Pittsburgh offense looking like it has in the past. So um, I could see a monster year for Juju and not just this year, but the rest of his career going forward, looking more like 2018 than it did 2019. You know, it, it is hard for me to call uh, the wide receiver seven in Dynasty underrated. But you're right. You're absolutely right. We expected to see a big drop from Juju. It only ended up being a small drop, but everyone thought he was going to take a massive plummet down rankings this offseason. It ended up being much smaller than we expected. But before this season, he was there was talks that he was the wide receiver one in Dynasty. People were ready to crown him as the wide receiver one over Michael Thomas because he was so young. Remember, he's not 24 until November. Oh. One season ruins that, and now he's outside of the top five. Like, how does where does that math come from, John? Yeah, I, I, I just, I think, I, I actually, I'm happy that people are sleeping on him because I think you're going to be able to buy up that, you know, that stock a lot cheaper than you would, and you know, take advantage of those those biases. I think people have when they, you know, they see that one year of production. It's that recency bias, um, but you don't even have to look all that much further to see that this guy is a dominant wide receiver in the NFL and in fantasy. So, um, yeah, and the, I, best, I don't get the best it. part too, the best part too with Juju is now, so Deontay Johnson, he's a Z receiver on the outside. He can move into the slot, but he is an outside receiver. James Washington, prototypical X. He's Claypool, prototypical X. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to eat in the slot. He is going yes. to have so many targets. Yes. Yes, that's where. Yes, exactly. So uh, I, I I just see a lot of a uh, lot of upside with uh, with Juju this year and going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And on the opposite end of upside, who is the most overrated wide receiver in Dynasty? So I guess I just I look at this and I I'm, I'm really curious how you're going to react to this, but I'm I'm nominating Tyreek Hill for this position uh, for the most overrated wide receiver. Um, and that I'm going to first and foremost acknowledge, absolutely love Tyreek Hill from a fantasy perspective. He is uh, an amazing athlete. I mean, we're talking about an Olympic level athlete playing football. Uh, sometimes it does look like a literal cheetah is out there running with how fast he is. But I am worried he's going currently as a number two overall dynasty wide receiver. And I worry about his size or lack thereof. His injury history or a little bit, you know, some off the field concerns obviously make me very nervous about him. Um, so as far as just being the number two overall receiver, I think that's maybe a little too high for Hill. I think he's, you know, top five, top 10, whatever you want to put him in. But there are other players I like more. I like Devontae Adams more. I like DeAndre Hopkins. I like DJ Moore even better than I like Tyreek Hill, to be honest. Um, so I just think if you're talking about we're talking about handing out the number two headband to wide receiver. I'm really skeptical about Tyreek Hill that high, um, but I still think all all praise due elsewhere. I just think that's a little too high for me. You know, this is why we have you on the show, John, because you put that much more eloquently than I ever could have. So, like, I'll be honest, morally, I like to avoid Tyreek Hill. I have a really hard time rooting for him. It just him score fantasy points for me it just kind of feels weird i don't really like him as a player so anyways aside from that you put it very well injury history suspension history and he's undersized and they drafted his replacement in Nicole hardwin hard ah, Nicole hardman sorry so there's just so there's so much more comp- target competition with sammy watkins returning travis kelsey's still there so we have patrick mahomes as qb1 we have Travis Kelsey is tight end one. 
And now we've got Tyreek Hill as wide receiver too. Like it's just too much reliance on the Chiefs, and I'm not here for it. Couldn't agree more. You're putting a lot of eggs into one basket. I mean, it, it could pay off um, or not. So exactly. And so we do get to kind of a lull in the show, but don't worry, we we'll, we will be ramping it right back up. How do you handle tight end, John? Because tight end is the worst position in fantasy football. We all know that. But how do you handle it in Dynasty? Well, in Dynasty, I think, you know, right now there's sort of a big three. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, Mark Andrews are clearly that top tier. Uh, and then I think there's sort of a tier below them, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, Higby. So, you know, I really – I would love to have Kelsey or Kittle or Andrews for sure, but I think the cost of getting those guys is a little too high. So what I want to do in terms of finding tight ends is I want to look for that next wave of guys who I think could be the next Kelsey or Kittle or Andrews. So kind of going off the rankings from um, from Fantasy Pros, I look at Noah Fant, who's currently the ninth-ranked tight end, Austin Hooper, number 10, and Blake Jarwin uh, at all the way back at nineteen all have potential future upside. Uh, I don't think they will be, you know, those, that elite group this year, but I think within the next few years, I wouldn't be surprised if one or more of those names is, is in that big three, our next wave of big three. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to pay a little bit less in terms of draft capital, maybe go after one of those guys um, instead of going after one of the big three. Uh, if I, if, you know, the cost is too high. I'm all about it because you know what the thing, we're all looking for that, like one of those elite tight ends and, it's, it's so such a rare commodity in fantasy football to have one of those big three guys. And that's the thing is it's such a crapshoot. There's so many guys, like you said, there's so much youth at the position that could be that next guy. But at the same time, it's just such a crapshoot and who scores a touchdown every week. That it's kind of hard to pay up for those tight ends. They're not wide receiver ones. You're much better off taking true wide receiver one like Allen Robinson rather than reaching for a guy like George Kittle. It's how it works for positional value. And so... I'm all about it. Noah Fant, Austin Hooper, Blake Jarwin, especially 2020 breakout superstar, Joni Smith. Just wait for it. It's going to happen. Just so much youth at the position ready to ascend. The best thing about it is people are always going to overpay for tight ends. So if Joni Smith breaks out, I can sell him next year and then try and find the next Joni Smith. How do you feel about that strategy, John? I love it. I think, yeah, exactly. I think the tight end position is such a crapshoot. And even if a guy has a good year, there's no guarantee that he will necessarily, you know, produce the same the year after, unless your name is, you know, Rob Gronkowski uh, back in his prime. Um, it's just, it's just not, it's one of the positions that it's, there's no guarantee. And so, yeah, if you can kind of cash in on, on, while the value is high, the stock is high and go out and find some, you know, future diamonds in the rough, so to speak. I think that's an excellent strategy for, for handling tight end and dynasty. Find tight ends in that sweet spot of the year three, four, five, where they're kind of in that nearing that second contract, ready to break out. That's where I like my tight ends because rookie tight ends just don't produce enough for me. Not about it. So I would much rather take a shot on one of those guys that are just about to break out. So with that, speaking of guys who are ready to break out, who is the most underrated tight end in Dynasty? I think it's Hayden Hurst. I think he, the move from Baltimore to Atlanta, um, we're going to see a huge uptick in his production he's no longer playing next to mark andrews you know the ravens took the ravens took uh, uh hayden hurst ahead of lamar jackson and mark andrews but somehow you know he he was sort of the odd man out in terms of the offense but i think now that he is going to be the tight end one in atlanta we should see 
quite a bit of production, more production out of, uh, out of, um, out of Hurst. I think, you know, currently he's going for 14, uh, number 14 tight end, but I think, you know, you can almost plug him in for the role that Austin Hooper had last year. And if that's the case, you're talking about a top 10 tight end or possibly even better. Um, so going from one of the most run heavy offenses to one of the most pass heavy offenses, I, I, I can only suspect that helps Hayden Hurst's value. See, I definitely do think it helps Hayden Hurst's value. He Behind Mark Andrews in Baltimore, he was never going to break out. Mark Andrews is the wide receiver one in Baltimore. Not He's not really a tight end. He's a, he's a big slot. He's the wide receiver one there. There was never going to be a chance for Mark, uh, Hayden Hurst to break out. But at the same time, he's going to be 27 when the season starts. And I have a hard time ranking a 27-year-old who has 47 receptions and 565 yards in two seasons inside the top 15. He just hasn't done enough for me yet to put him inside the top 15 at tight end. I'm a little bit wary, but at the same time, he is a phenomenal athlete. He had an entire minor league baseball career before he went and played football. Phenomenal athlete. I do love his ceiling in that Austin Hooper role. I'm just a little bit worried that he might be a little bit overdrafted because of ceiling and we might be discounting the floor. I think he's a perfect candidate potentially for your tight end theory. You just, we just discussed a moment ago. I mean, yeah, he's a little bit older, but maybe he has that breakout year at 27. And if you can find somebody in your league, uh, I, I don't want to call them a sucker, but if you can kind of put pass him off and maybe get some value out of him later on, maybe you can avoid those later years. I don't know. That's just sort of speculating now, but um, I, I think age is definitely a concern. I think that's a realistic concern though. I didn't, don't get me wrong, I do quite enjoy Hayden Hurst, it, and it all depends on where you can get him. It's A tight end is such a weird position where people have their guys and they'll fluctuate, and so Hayden Hurst does fall a bit. I'm all about him. It's not a guy that I'm avoiding by any means. Speaking of avoiding, who is the most overrated tight end in Dynasty? Well, I know you had a discussion about this guy in your last podcast, so I don't want to, you know... Um... I don't want to beat a dead horse too much, but I think Evan Ingram uh, at number four, the number four. Uh, oh, tight John, end you, are on, you are on the right side of history. Continue. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I think athletically, uh, size, all of those things, like Evan Ingram has all of the potential in the world to be a phenomenal fantasy player, NFL player, but I just have not seen it so far in his career. Injuries are very much a concern. I mean, Uh, Not being able to play, he has yet to play a full season in the NFL, and that's a huge red flag for me. Um, And also, I'm just, even though I I talked about how the the Giants could have a potentially good offense, I still think they are the Giants, and um, it's more likely than not that they they don't have a good offense. So I'm just, I cannot take Evan Ingram that high at number four. I mean, you know, sure, if you can get him later on the back half of the top ten, that's fine. But if you're talking about fourth best in 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 a dynasty startup, that's way too high. Right. You're absolutely right. All of that, everything you said, completely right. Nailed it. Like Evan Ingram, maybe he probably is better than a top four talent at tight end. He's probably he's probably more talented than Mark Andrews. Like you said, he hasn't played a full season. And everyone keeps going to back to that 2017 rookie season. 108 targets. But that was when he was competing with five games of Brandon Marshall, four games of Odell Beckham. And yeah, they did have Sterling Shepard still there. But Roger Lewis, Tavares King, and Travis Rudolph. I don't even know who those guys are relevant and that's that's what everyone keeps going back to they don't like to talk about the fact that evan ingram he hasn't had more than 65 targets in a season he's going to be competing with golden tate darius slayton saquon barkley and still sterling shepherd it's just way too high of a price to pay for a tight end that just hasn't done it yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree uh for top four i mean you're really hoping that 
at the number four tight end. He can be either the next one, you know, wave of those the you know the big three we talked about, or um, you know, or we have to expand it out. I just don't think you're going to get that with with uh, Evan Ingram. So I think that's a little too high. I agree, and I'm glad that this has become an anti-Evan Engram podcast. And remember, we don't hate players. We hate ADPs. Evan Engram at that ADP is just way too wild for me, and I'm not touching it at all. So now we're done with tight ends, thankfully. We get back to the exciting stuff, and we're going to be talking about rookie drafts because a lot of these startup leagues, they do have a separate rookie draft, and so we do still need to address it. But John, when you're doing these uh, rookie drafts, are you looking at the running backs on the rookie contract or wide receivers on the rookie contract? All else being equal, we're not going to talk about talent uh, or anything like that. Just if you can have a rookie running back or a rookie wide receiver, which one are you going with? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the running back in this case. I just think there's such a dearth of good running backs, not just whether we're talking about rookies, but in general, um, you know, just and again, I, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast that I really want to build my team around my running back number one and so I think in the rookie drafts a lot of times I have in mind can this player be the replacement for my current RB1 if and when he retires gets injured or or whatever you know they're no longer on my team I'm I'm always sort of planning for the future so running back especially RB1 is the most important position for me Um, so that's how I, I really think about it when I'm drafting and I think with wide receiver you know, it's just, it's just a numbers game. You're, there's just, there's more wide receivers coming into the league. There's more opportunities on the field. There's more, there's just never been an easier time to catch passes in the NFL. So I think you can take more risks with wide receivers, but I don't think you can do the same with running backs. So I think if, you know, if you have the opportunity to draft a guy who's potentially your RB1 of the future, you have to take that. Completely agree with you, everything you said, because there's a lot more stories like Adam Thielen, where we have this breakout wide receiver, Julian Edelman, another one, the list goes on and on, then the breakout running back that no one saw coming, like Raheem Mostert. Like, there's such a big difference between that happening, and that's why early in rookie drafts, I'm going running back as early and often as I can. Obviously, there's different tiers, and we won't go into that, but if, if one for one, I am going rookie wide receiver or sorry, I'm going rookie running back because they're going to be more productive on that rookie contract over wide receiver. It's just the way that I'm going to play it. And I'm glad you agree with me, John. So thank you very much. Cool. We're, going to get in, we're going to move into our last section here. We're going to go rapid fire now. Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Which one are you taking at the 101? Uh, give me Clyde the Glide. I like the KC offense better. Oh, I am so sorry, John. You know, you cracked under the pressure of rapid fire. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I should have given you more time you the right answer but it's jonathan taylor all day touchdown taylor is the best running back prospect since saquon barkley i don't even know he's better than zeke elliott as a prospect so unfortunately you're 0 for one i'm really sorry about that john all right hit me with another one let's try again all right so i'm not going to ask you about cd lamb i do know you're sooner biased so that's not really fair to ask about cd because the answer is always going to be cd lamb we're going to go with the next two wide receivers jerry judy or henry ruggs uh, give me Jerry Judy. I just think his volume, the fact, I think he's just going to get more targets. Uh, he's going to be less dependent on those deep passes than Ruggs might be. So, um, yeah, I like Judy there. Okay. All right, John, you settled in. You saved it. You are one and one now. I'm very happy to hear that. It is Jerry Judy absolutely every time. You know what? At best, his he's going to be a high volume, or sorry, at worst, he's a high volume wide receiver. At best, he's a wide receiver one like Odell Beckham Jr. Can you see that in his range of outcomes there with Jerry Judy? 
Oh yeah. I, I think we're, we're potentially talking about the, one of the next elite wide receivers in the NFL, not just from a, um, you know, real, from a fantasy, but also a real football. I think, uh, yeah, if he, if he, you know, if, if his potential holds true, I think we're going to be uh, talking about Jerry Judy for a long time. Exactly. And so Henry Ruggs, honestly, as an athlete, he probably has the same ceiling as Jerry Judy, but the floor is so much lower because at worst, Jerry Judy, wide receiver too. At worst for Henry Ruggs, he's going to be a boomer bust deep ball threat like Darius uh, Slayton. And so it's just such a wide range of outcomes that, yeah, you have to take Jerry Judy every time. All right. So next question, DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins? Which one are you taking? Give me J.K. Dobbins. I think Swift might be the better pick maybe short term, like right away. But I think J.K. Dobbins being in that Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson long term uh, will be the better pick uh, for Dynasty. All right. You got another one, right? I'm, I'm happy for you, John. You really have settled in. So you're up two to one. It is J.K. Dobbins. And they're both going to start in a committee. Honestly, DeAndre Swift probably has more upside to see the field quicker in his career. Strayon Johnson, we all know about him. Chemistry. So... But J.K. Dobbins, he just has such a massive upside with that Ravens offense, with Lamar Jackson in the backfield. It's just so much explosion to be had there. I think you're right there, John. So happy for you. You got another one right. You're really pulling away with this. Next question we have, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Michael Pittman. Who are you taking? You know, I, I like all three players, but give me Rager. Give me, give me Jalen Rager here. I think he has the most opportunity to be the wide receiver one, not only to maybe even begin the season possibly, uh, or even going forward, I think I think the Eagles are going to uh, build around him in terms of their pass catching. So I, I really like his upside in his in his opportunity the most. Love to see it, John. Absolutely love to see it. You are now three and one. Baker's going to lead the Eagles wide receiver in targets. It's just going to happen. You we, you talked earlier about being worried about Deshaun Jackson, being worried about Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, it's going to happen. He's going to lead the receiving room in targets. And so, uh, what about the other two? Who are you taking next after Jalen Rager? I'm taking Justin Jefferson, and I think I may have even talked about this on, a, on another pod before, but I just have nightmares about Justin Jefferson and all the touchdowns he put on my my beloved Sooners. So uh, it pains me to say, but I'm, I would take him next after that. I just think his upside in the slot uh, taking over, you know, for Stefan Diggs is just it, it kind of scares me. I, I think there's you know there's some it's a high ceiling. Uh, for him as well, um, that really worries me uh, for for defensive coordinators in the NFL. All right, if I was feeling really generous, I would make you four and one at this point. But that still was really only one question. It was all the same three guys, so you're just going to get one point for that. You are three and one now. Last question for rapid fire: M. Akers, AJ Dillon, or Keyshawn Vaughn? Who are you taking and why? I'm taking AJ Dillon here, and and this is just maybe this is crazy. And I really am excited to say this now after what we talked about with Jonathan. I'm here Taylor. for the crazy. I'm here for the crazy. I think AJ Dillon's just as good as Jonathan Taylor. I think his productivity what? was his productivity what? college was almost identical to Jonathan Taylor's, but he played on a much worse team at Boston College. So you didn't really get to hear much about AJ Dillon. And I think in the future, playing in that offense, if they re- if the Packers really do let go of uh, of Aaron Jones and, and AJ Dillon's the next man up. I am very excited about um, him and that Packers offense, no matter who's playing quarterback or what. Um, so I, I really like AJ, AJ Dillon a lot. I think um, he has some room to grow as a pass catcher, uh, but I think his ability to just to run with the rock is maybe the best in the draft. I think we could find out a few years from now that AJ Dillon was the best running back in the draft. Wow. 
That was a hot take. I am absolutely scorched. Really impressive argument. Really enjoyed that. However, it's really unfortunate because you're wrong. Jonathan Taylor is just simply better. Jonathan Taylor is just such a talented running back prospect. Profile size, speed athlete. And so you look at it this way, A.J. Dillon, we're hoping he becomes Leonard Fournette, right? That's kind of his ceiling, kind of that style of running back where he's a bruiser. Maybe Derrick Henry. Let's call, call Derrick Henry a ceiling. Jonathan Taylor is already better than both of those players. So we're hoping that A.J. Dillon becomes as good as players that Jonathan Taylor is already better than. I. That is absolutely crazy, that take. And you know what? also, getting back to the question, the original question, I'm taking Cam Akers first in that lineup because you know, they're both in a committee to start, but Cam Akers is stepping into, let's say, 50% of the backfield. Realistically, it's probably 60. There's so much more, <clears throat> so much more potential there. Like that gets me really excited. Because AJ Dillon, oh, he's got Matt LaFleur. We already talked about him. He loves that back by committee. And so uh, I'm going to let you talk, John, because I am just so flabbergasted by that take. Wow. I, what can I say? I just really like, I really like AJ Dillon. I think, I think short term, you know, probably Cam Akers has a better opportunity short term and maybe even Keyshawn Vaughn. But I just think long term, it's, it's, a, it's a risk I'm willing to take. And you said it yourself, if, if best case scenario is Derrick Henry, well, Derrick Henry led the league in rushing last year. And so if you can get, if you can get a potential, uh, you know, a guy who leads the, uh, the league in rushing uh, a little bit later in your draft, um, you know, with A.J. Dillon, I just think that's, that could be a potential steal. Uh, even if he doesn't turn out to be Derrick Henry, I still think he has a lot of upside. So I'm, I'm buying all the A.J. Dillon stock again. Oh, that was just so spicy. All right, so moving on, who is your favorite wide receiver value to be taking? So wide receiver has taken in round three or later because we do have those dominant guys taking in round one and two. Round three or later, who are you taking as your sleeper upside pick? I'm absolutely shocked that Tyler Johnson was not taken until the fifth round. Tyler Johnson is a dominant slot receiver out of, out of Minnesota. That's probably why maybe not a lot of people, uh, he's on a lot of radars because he played in Minnesota. I know they had a pretty good year in 2019, but um, – not a traditional program in terms of offensive powerhouses, but he was an absolute dominant college slot receiver. And that's not necessarily why I like him so much. Uh, I like him because he's going to play with the goat. He's going to play with Tom Brady uh, potentially. Uh, and I don't know, he may not even win. You know, there's a, there's a likelihood that he doesn't even make the team or he doesn't see the field all that often because they're so loaded. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. He is making the team. Sorry. I, don't I, I don't, I don't even put will. that out there. You're right. I think he will. I'm, 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 but I, I think that there's a chance that he doesn't play a lot this year. But I think if he ends up proving his worth and getting on the field, the sky is the limit because we know how much Tom Brady loves throwing to the slot, throwing in the middle. Um, I just think there is some, some scenarios where Tyler Johnson steps in the league and he could dominate in the slot right away. I actually think his numbers are pretty comparable and, and his size isn't all that off from um, Justin Jefferson's, but you know, you're talking about getting a player in the fifth round instead of the first. Um, so I think there's just a lot of, a lot to like about Tyler Johnson um, in that offense uh, and in, in general. I completely agree. I was just not here for this Tyler Johnson might get cut nonsense. We're not even going to put that into the, yeah, cut, the cut atmosphere. That out. Uh, so yeah, anyways, but Tyler Johnson is, he, so talented and a little known fact he was a high school quarterback so this could be tom brady's next julian edelman i know it's a pretty lame comparison to talk about the the wide receiver quarterback comparison julian edelman tom brady yada yada but it's still a thing and tyler johnson was just so dominant so i am really excited i do really like that take 
So last question, I'm going to get you out on this. Who is your favorite running back drafted on day three of the draft? I like Josh Kelly a lot by the, the LA Chargers. He was taken in round four, plays, you know, played at UCLA, so he's a local kid. Um, I, I really like, I think he has an opportunity with Melvin, with Melvin Gordon obviously leaving. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of carries that are open to be taken right now. It looks like, you know, you could probably pencil in Justin Jackson there, but I think, you know, obviously the good thing about pencils, you know, you can erase it. I think Josh Kelly has a really good chance to jump in and take that, you know, the RB2 position in, in LA. Um, you know, and I think there's some value there. I, I think I like, I like Austin Eckler a lot, but I think there are going to be times where, you know, Josh Kelly has, has, you're going to have some really good opportunities. Uh, maybe there's a flex position. Uh, or later on, you know, if eventually if the, if the Chargers move on um, from Eckler, maybe Josh Kelly is the guy they groom to be next. So as far as a late round pickup, I really like Josh Kelly. Way to send the people out on a high note, John. I am very impressed with that because, yeah, Joshua Kelly, supreme talent. He sh- probably should have gone on day two of the draft, probably should have been a third round pick. I digress. We're not going to split hairs with there, but he was still taking early round four. He's local kid. And like you said, his only competition is Justin Jackson, but there is no running back other than Joshua Kelly, who's over 200 pounds on the roster. Austin Eckler is sometimes over 200 pounds. I, you can't see the heavy air quotes, but they were there. And Justin Jackson's 195. So Joshua Kelly is the only 200 plus pound running back. He easily could slide into that Melvin Gordon role. At worst, Justin Jackson is, is only two years left on his contract. So also the future upside with Joshua Kelly too. There is that role in the LA offense that gets me really excited. John, any parting words for the people? Uh, just stay safe out there. And, you know, um, fantasy right now, things are kind of bleak, but Hey, fantasy is one of those things that, um, you know, is a good tool for bringing people together. Maybe you can't have your draft in person, but uh, you know, you can zoom and, and plan all those things out. I just think this is a, a really good time to, you know, use this time wisely and, and uh, connect with your league mates and just be safe. Well put, well put. Always stay safe out there. And uh, don't be, don't forget to follow John over at Dynasty PhD and over on Instagram at Scoozer from, or Scoozer underscore from underscore OKC. Be sure to follow us all along at Important Nonsense. John is the head of the Dynasty team, and so he's got a great group of guys working with him. Really excited for this season coming up. And so for the Important Nonsense podcast, I'm your host, Jack Cavanaugh. Find me at Javanaugh87 over on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to check us out over at importantnonsense.com. Follow us on Twitter at NonsenseFF. Most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!